The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Chase, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Did I just say pressure? <laughs> Absolute pressure. <laughs> Not <Okay>. pressure, but <laughs> pleasure. Uh, if I stumble, I won't feel so bad now. <laughs> perfect. That's that's what this is about. Stumbling, yeah. getting back up, working it out, evolving. So uh, we're only human, right? <laughs> we are only human. And this is this is what I'm excited to talk to you about today is this understanding an awareness of what you've learned over the years in regards to being human, especially mm-hmm. when it relates to the work that you do with acupuncture and Chinese medicine and, and any other modalities that you have uh, put into your toolbox over the years. And I, I'll, I'll just, for anybody that's listening, and if you see this man as a familiar face, he has been uh, being an integral part of the Evolve Sanctuary over the last few months in coming in and um, looking after some of um, all of the guests over the weekend. So number one, I thank you for that because everybody loves, loves your energy and loves what you do with them and their bodies. And it's my pleasure. You know, like I say, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to be a part of it. And, um, you know, what you guys have created there at the sanctuary is amazing. Oh, thank you, brother. So let's get into this. Um, history of you developing your skills and, and knowledge through these holistic therapies and that it's not woo-woo. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. 
No, it's not. You know, I mean, I, I say that to everyone because um, I, I mean, I'm a lecturer at Endeavor College as well. So as I'm teaching this, I'm always telling people that this is a science. It's a medical science. It's the oldest medical science we have on record with Chinese medicine. Um, and I hate that term of alternative medicine because it's not alternative. This is this is historical medicine. Um, but yeah, look, a bit about my story. Um, I mean, I grew up in the States, in Colorado. Um and in the area I grew up in, there was a, a big influence of Native Mexican and Native American culture. Um, so that was a, probably a big influence on me from early on, just the understanding that plants are medicine. Um, I was actually, I, had, I was teaching a course this morning and uh, this kind of came up. You know, I think we always try to analyze what brought us to where we are now in our path. And um, I only have speculations, really. I don't always have answers. But, um, you know, when I was really young, probably around four or five, uh, I was quite just, you know, bad illness, really sick. My dad took me to the hospital. They gave me antibiotic, penicillin, um, first time ever giving it to me, and, and I was allergic to it. So I had a really bad reaction and don't remember much, but I just know I was hospitalized for, you know, a few days to a week after that. And, um, you know, ever since I, you know, being young, all I can remember is just not wanting to take pills. It wasn't really my cup of tea. So, um, you know, I was very grateful that my mother was uh, very open-minded to natural medicine. Um, and so she was always kind of showing me different plants that we could take and different teas we could drink. And, um, you know, to me, I, I think pain became just a part of the healing process as well. So like, instead of trying to mask the pain with um, painkillers or, or, you know, your tonals and your panadols, it was just like, okay, well use this as your um, guide to healing. Um, don't go and do stupid stuff. Like this whole last week, I haven't been able to surf because my neck's been stuffed. So, um, you know, I let that pain be my guide sometimes. And I've learned how to use that um, tactfully in my practice as well. Um, because acupuncture, in my opinion, is the best um, form of pain relief I've ever come across. It's immediate. Um, the side effects are positive. It makes you feel good, sleep better. Um, but I've come to learn that if I give people 100% pain relief right away, um, especially if they're dealing with an injury, I mean, the, it, just because I can block the pain signals doesn't mean that the tissue hasn't healed up all the way. And so I always found when I got that 100% pain relief that they would always um, come back in for the next appointment and go, oh, it's so great. And so I did something stupid. And I thought, well, maybe I should only take away about 80% of their pain. So they got just a little bit there to make sure they don't go off and do anything stupid. And I'll tell you, that works a lot better from my end. So that way I don't always have to keep chasing my tail and getting them back to where we're trying to go with them. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't know if that was a direct... I go on tangents quite a bit. So. <laughs> uh, you're in the right place. Trust me, anybody that's listening or watching who's seen any of my podcasts know that tangents is. I actually should just call it tangent. I think somebody else has got the podcast called Tangently Speaking, but we could just say off on a fucking tangent. That's that's what I like to do. And, and I invite the guests to go wherever they want to go. But we're going back into your history of, of the pain yeah. of the discovery of your mother taking you on the, on the journey of the plants and, and understanding that and then your fascination into this world and, and what modalities and, and what, as you said, science has, had, has intrigued you to study 
a very ancient medicine and a very ancient science from another part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, going back, I guess, to my origins of what got me into it. Um, you know, I, I started doing martial arts in my mid to late teens and uh, my martial art teacher back in Colorado, he actually, um, well, he introduced me to another teacher that came out from Singapore. And this was actually one of Singapore's uh, three times national champions in Sanchao. So in, in actual fighting competition. And he said something to me around the same time that my other teacher was taking me to this um, Chinese herbal doctor. And with this other teacher, Sifu Ling was his name. What he said was um, the ultimate goal with martial arts is not to hurt. It is to heal. And that resonated with me at the young age of 17. I was just like, well, I got to be the best, you know, a very young, egotistical male, got to be the best at what I'm doing. And this man, which has already proven himself in the fighting era with a ring with, you know, three national championships in Singapore, saying that the best has to be able to heal, not hurt. So I was like, well, that's what I want to do. I want to go and heal. Um, and then at the same time, my other teacher was taking me to this Chinese herbal doctor and it just fit with everything I was already kind of used to using plants as medicine. And what blew me away was just the pulse reading and, and the way he felt my wrist and the pulse at my wrist. And it was able to tell me all these intricate things about my body and my, my health and my personality. And without me being able to say anything to him, I mean, there was a big language barrier. And that, again, was quite a profound moment so that stuck with me. And um, I decided I would kind of start to learn from this guy um, without technically asking him. <laughs> so I just started showing up at his, at his clinic every, you know, once every week or every two weeks. And I picked up a couple of books on Chinese medicine and I'd go and pick his brain. And I think he was quite, um, he was quite excited by the idea because here was this young white kid um, coming into Chinatown and wanting to learn his stuff where he probably had a son, I think relatively around my age at the time that had no interest in it. So he took me with open arms and, and you know, the hardest part was the language barrier. Um, and we kind of got through it. And then my martial art training uh, took me to New Zealand um, to study with my Tai Chi teacher. And um, that's where I commenced my official acupuncture training. Um, and again, it wasn't that I was actually wanting to be an acupuncturist. I wanted to learn herbal medicine. I really wanted to learn this art of the pulse reading. And but my main focus was in herbal medicine, not in putting pins in people. But the way that the college was constructed was that acupuncture was the primary degree that they were offering and herbal medicine was an adjunct. So I said, well, look, the theories are going to be the same. I'm going to be learning the same concepts. Um, why not? Let's do it. And so I got into it. And I think I was, again, at a very young age, I was just turned 19. Um, so it was straight out of high school. I'd love to know the... How it was defined to you back then as a 19-year-old in New Zealand going in to learn acupuncture and also herbals, herbal medicine or plant medicine. And like your martial arts teacher and the fellow from uh, Singapore, how was it presented to you both acupuncture and both herbal medicine in a way that really resonated to you and 
the underlying philosophy that 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 spoke to you or you you saw there was a future in this for you for a long period of time yeah well again the irony in that is that i i i was young i wasn't thinking about the future um i think i'm only just now starting to learn how to think about the future <laughs> but i've always been an in the moment sort of person um and a lot of it was just really the romance of the of the philosophy of this ancient culture of you know i think always just knowing that our western civilization our western culture um was heading in the wrong direction we were heading away from nature itself and if we look at all of the ancient cultures around the world they all had a very similar approach and a lot of it was their their sciences were based around nature and in the west we kind of seem to think that we're above that and that never resonated with me um at any time in my life i don't think so a lot of it in the beginning was really this romance of the unknown um and chasing this old ancient culture that i found similarities with with the old Mexican, like the Aztecan culture and, and obviously the Navajo and Native American stuff that I grew up around. And I always just found that fascinating. You know, I, I think back now, I think if I didn't get into natural medicines, I'd probably been like an anthropologist. Um, I just love the history of humans and where we came from, the mysteries that we still can't solve today. You know, we're still sitting there puzzled by how these Egyptians built these great pyramids with the technology that they had back then that we can't even mimic today. Um, so there was something there that we've lost along our journey as a, as a species. Um, and that really inspires me, trying to get back to that source. Uh, just speaking about Chinese and the, and the history and the, and the medicine that has been such a huge part of their culture that has penetrated and spread over the world. I find it so fascinating over the last year. I think I saw something a couple of days ago where China has just administered their one billionth vaccine against coronavirus or COVID-19. And it's nearly at the same time that you're at the retreat doing what you do. And I'm looking at the this strange sort of dichotomy or, or duality or irony that it's like, are there, are there Chinese traditional doctors over there using Chinese medicine, ancient medicine, for the coronavirus or coronaviruses, oh. colds and flus? But it seems like there's a really big push, like you were saying, that your original teacher's son didn't want to know about the ancient ways, you know? And, uh, and I'm finding this just such a, such a strange, trippy experience over the last year. And I'd love to, I don't want to go into the coronavirus thing, but I'm just wondering about your thoughts about China and are they trying to shed their history to embrace the West or is there a battle going on at the moment, do you believe as well? Oh, well, a hundred percent. And this is, this is not a new battle of what they're doing. I mean, we look back at the cultural revolution and a lot of my opinion of the true Chinese arts, whether you're talking about martial arts or medicine, um, you know, when General Mao was, was trying to present um, and standardize his culture and present that to the West, 
during that cultural revolution period, you know, a lot of these practitioners had to flee. You know, my marsh, my Tai Chi teacher had to practice in secrecy um, because it was illegal for them to practice um, Tai Chi at the time. Um, my most profound Chinese medicine teachers all fled. The families fled to Taiwan. You know, and we still see this history between mainland China and Taiwan to this day. You know, you talk to a Taiwanese person and they do not consider themselves, you know, they're Taiwanese. Um, but a mainland Chinese will always consider Taiwan part of the mainland. So, you know, that was kind of um, a refuge island for that time and that culture. And we saw a lot of the traditional aspect of the culture fleeing to that area and other areas like down to Singapore and Malaysia and um you know, and even into the West, into the United States and Australia and New Zealand um, and to the UK um, to preserve that heritage. Um, so China is always, in my opinion, and I feel kind of, you know, it's not my place to say what China is doing because I'm not from that culture. But um, from what I've viewed is they've always been trying to prove themselves to the West because somehow, you know, the West is just, it's come out of nowhere and it's hit all these other old cultures, you know, if they bl it's blindsided them. So now you have one of the richest history, historical cultures that's feeling like it has to prove itself to this new Western model. And we saw that with the medicine. So and I, I, I've just got to interrupt here because I've just, it, it's so interesting being a chef over the years, Chinese culture, Chinese cuisine, Indian cuisine, you know, Sri Lankan, Indian, Pakistani, that area, you know, Middle Eastern cuisine. These, these cultures that have such a beautiful connection to nature and such a reverence to their national, local flora and fauna that they can use as medicine but as a, as a gift to the world, really, you know, I remember when I was a kid and my mum used to take me to the Chinese restaurant, the one that was in the town, it was like, we go to eat Chinese, like what, what an amazing experience this is. And, and, and when you were talking about that, I was like, I bet you they haven't given up on their, on their, their food culture just yet. <laughs> but what we see here in the West is not their true cuisine. You know, we get this, this whitewashed version of it. And it, I mean, oh man, like when I go to China, all I do is eat. I have like five, six meals a day. In fact, to me, it's, it, I go out there to intern with doctors and I just turn it into a, like an eating um, fest really, because the food is just to die for. And it's so diverse. And, um, you know, it's nothing like what we categorize it as in the West. Um, there's some similarities, but yeah, it's so different. Yeah, it's nearly like I think the cuisine will be the last, the last bastion to fall. Like if 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 these nations give away their culture or their cuisine, then it's game over. You know, if it becomes this vanilla globalist mentality about what we're going to eat, yeah, fuck. Yeah. But but I'm glad that they're still holding on to onto their cuisine. And oh no, they're very proud about their food. So. They, I'm fascinated about this. If you want to go into it a little bit deeper about this sort of breaking away of, because uh, I had no idea Tai Chi could be outlawed, and and it's when you're saying that it, it a little fear just entered. Uh, maybe fear isn't the right word, but a little, oh, shit, 
what what is happening now in this country in different western countries that they're trying to outlaw whether it be free speech whether it be um I, I don't know i won't go there but it's it, just fascinating so tell me a little bit more about the pushing down or the suppression of the chinese therapies yeah i mean look you're right we're seeing things that we take for granted as freedom um potentially on the cards of being stripped away from us um so yeah it's a pretty scary thing and you know it was quite interesting spending you know over 10 years studying with my teacher in in New Zealand, which originated from Shanghai, um, and hearing his his life story, you know, because he got into this stuff as an eight-year-old. Um, so, you know, this was all right through that whole Cultural Revolution time, and um, yeah, it, it was. Um, I think it would have been a very interesting era to go through. Um, you know, feeling. I don't know if there would have been shame for him, but to have to hide things. I think as a kid, there was probably some excitement about that. I think any kid would be excited about, oh, I'm doing something in secret. How nice is this? But for his teachers, I'm sure there was um, there was a lot of anxiety, you know, to be bringing these kids into this world. And if they ever got caught, you know, I mean, penalties are pretty serious over there. So, I mean, it's pretty much a form of treason at the time. So I'm sure that it would have been, um, yeah, pretty just um, stressful time for the teachers, but maybe a, a level of excitement and um, that underground sort of culture for the for the youth that were growing up through it. But um, look, as a lecturer at Endeavor and teaching, you know, modern Chinese medicine or what's labeled as TCM, traditional Chinese medicine nowadays. Um, and look, I, I was the same when I first learned this because this is the the standardized version of the medicine that has been presented to the West. And so this is what we learn in the West and, um, and it's, and what they're also learning in China, but they get a little bit closer to the source of it in China than what we're getting out here. And it wasn't, are you you saying you get a, it's a little bit watered down, like the cuisine type thing, a hundred percent watered down because we're dealing with an issue of translation. You know, this is an ancient science from an, an, a classic ancient language. So, you know, you talk to most modern Chinese today and they don't, they can't read classical Chinese, let alone um, be able to interpret it. You know, so that's, they, that's like us trying to um, be able to go and read um, Latin. You know, just because English comes from Latin doesn't mean us English speakers can go and read that stuff. So, and then you're taking it not just from classical Chinese to modern Chinese, but then you also got to take it from Chinese to whatever culture you're translating it in. So there has been a huge issue of mistranslation as this medicine has moved into the West. Um, and I've, you know, I stumbled in that mistranslation for many years in the early stages of my career. And then I got very fortunate to come across some really good teachers that came from old classic family lineages and able to kind of rectify these mistranslations for me. Um, and then that's why I love still still teach up at the college because I feel like this is now my place to help them work their way through all these obstacles and shadows and hopefully find the light quicker than I was able to find it. Um, because the medicine is a, is a very powerful medicine, but anytime you get anything watered down, it's diluted and you lose that efficacy and that power. So, um, yeah, we're, 
I'm, I'm fascinated because it's just come to come to my mind and and I know that you'll give a very honest answer because it's in your nature is we live in a world today where we you know and we seek out healers some of us do or we get introduced to healers now a healer is a very interesting word in itself mm-hmm. and, but but I, I'd love to, for you to let me know or let the listeners and viewers know whether on your journey, like talking about some of these these amazing teachers that you've had, whether they've had a gift of being a healer or is it always the plant or the acupuncture doing the healing itself or are there gifted people out there that have magic, <laughs> if, if that's the, the correct terminology? Well, life is full of magic. So, yeah, everything has magic, you know. Um, I don't know if I should go off into that tangent, but there's an old Native American story about, um, you know, I'll, I'm probably going to stop this up. I haven't told this story in a long time, but there's this old Native American father with his young son on this cliff face, and he's pointing out all the, the magic of, of nature to his son. And then he points up to an airplane going overhead and he goes, but see, now that's magic too. That's the magic of the white man. And that's, that points out something quite clear because, you know, we create magic. And, of course, everything around us, nature itself is magic. So whether I label, I'm not into labels when it comes to uh, the health profession. You know, um, as an offer registered practitioner, I'm allowed to give myself uh, the title of a doctor. I do not give myself that title and I don't give myself the title of a healer. I would say that my teachers, the, the things that separate them apart from the others is their brilliance. They are brilliant individuals and they think on a higher capacity, um, definitely a higher capacity than me. So um, they give us a lot to learn from. And, and those sort of people, that's their magic that they're offering is this higher understanding. And, and if we're not open to receive that at the time, then we're going to miss out on those lessons. Is, is the brilliance their authenticness? I think it's their authenticness and their passion. You know, passion presents um, in a lot of ways. And I think when you find someone that's passionate in their craft, then they're always going to be good in their craft because they're devoted. Well, what I found beautiful the other day, and I hadn't seen this before, but uh, when you were at the retreat and you had the, the um, our guests face down on the massage tables having their acupuncture. I, I, I was walking past because I like to give you a space there. But I, I noticed that you were doing, it was either Qigong or Tai Chi in there by yourself. You know, everybody's got their head down. So no one's witnessing what you're doing in there except you, right? Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, fuck, Chase is fucking in there, like in, in his zone. And it was really quite... Um, it, it, it made me so appreciative of the fact that you're walking the walk and talking the talk. You talk, talk to me about what you were doing at that because I haven't even asked you. And, and, and if you want to keep it as something personal and private, then that's cool too. No, no not at all. I mean, look, I've, 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 I think I've talked about maybe one or two of the groups about that. Um, because what I'm doing with those sessions is it's obviously an introductory thing. Um, and I, I can't go and fix their individual problems with one session. So I kind of developed 
a double treatment approach that I'm giving those guests um, that as I break it down to them, it's a yin and yang treatment because everything is yin and yang. We cannot separate yin and yang. And, and the concept of yin and yang is balance. We all need balance in our life. So the, the first set, um, part of the treatment when they're face down, which, which you observed, is the yin treatment. And the irony, so it's not irony, sorry. Um, the way I explain it to them is that the, the back itself, so our, our back is our yang surface. So we're, we're using the yang surface to nourish the yin organs. And so we're using these yin points on the yang surface. And I know it's starting to kind of sound a bit complicated, but it's really about just keeping balance within everything. And so during that first phase, that first treatment, which is the yin treatment, I do Tai Chi, which is a, a moving meditation. And so I'm bringing yang into the room while they are yin, while, they are, while their bodies are, are um, kind of going into that parasympathetic and that rest and relaxation so that the nutritive healing can start to happen. That's yin. You know, it's all about, you know, stimulating these yin organs to help them create better nutrition for the body. So it's more of a nurturing side of the treatment. But it's important to have that balance. So then when I flip them over and I do the yang side of the treatment, which is on the yin surface, but I use yang points that are all about stimulating and activating and getting movement, then I do a sitting meditation. So then I bring yin into the room. So that way, my concept, and whether this actually means any difference to what they experience or not, who knows. But to me, it just makes me feel more complete in what I'm doing. Because when I'm offering a yin side of the treatment, I'm bringing yang into the environment. So I make sure we have this balance. And then when I'm bringing activity and yang into their treatment, I'm subduing my movement and bringing yin into the environment. So there's this constant balance. Whether it influences their outcomes, who knows? Um, well, at the, have purpose. At the, at the end of the day, you're balanced. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, um, is, which is, again, going back into that, the word that you talked about before. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.